0: Hello everyone, outside the studio here with another episode and conversation with a special guest, they're all special guests, but Megan Tinkle um, is, I'm, I'm excited about her, I always say that, I'm always excited about people. <laughs> Megan's got an interesting lease on life, um, an interesting perspective to share she uh she has a she had like an early career in in journalism and so um you know i really not empathize empathize not is not the right word but i really uh i think it's admire i admire megan for an early career in journalism because it's something that i always felt drawn to but i think a little bit too scared of to pursue and she and i get to talk a little bit about what that was like her career in journalism and how she transitioned out of it and into what she's doing now um, with her husband and um so yeah it's it's a fun conversation so we talk a little bit about um her current business which is um mainly soap making, soap and candle body care products and how that was inspired and um, how it's been going for her and why it's important to understand or to maybe choose wisely about what we put on our skin or, or how we're choosing to burn candles and what kind of candles we're burning in our home. Um, and then Megan has, um, she has a teaching certificate uh, in yoga which is fairly recent to her and she went through that process of attaining her teaching certificate during the pandemic of 2020 um so she was she's one of those people that experienced the um learning of yoga mainly online through home which is a different way to have that experience right i've so i have um like now i consider myself a serial um yoga teacher training practitioner. <laughs> I don't know how you would say that. So I've done several teacher trainings. I've done maybe like five. I think I could count off the top of my head. And um, and all of those have been in person. I haven't done any of those online. So to have that perspective shift of doing a teacher training online, um, it was interesting to hear her, her story and, and what that was like for her. You know what? That's not true. I did... A portion of a 300 hour training online last year it was supposed to be in person Um, and it was really good and and thought out and it's just a totally different dynamic when you're doing something with a group of people in a room you share that physical space you share that sense of energy um to and then to do it online you know and they each have their own pros and cons so i'm excited for you to hear a little bit more about that um One thing I find interesting in Megan's story that she'll dive into deeper is um, the practice of yoga as a means to healing trauma, healing um, personal trauma in her life and also kind of that epigenetic lens of healing through yoga that um, inherited trauma that we might receive from ancestors living or dead that we know, or maybe we don't know personally, but we know their story. Um, So yeah, without further ado, one more last thing before I go, um, or before we dive into Megan's interview, and that is uh, Megan and her husband have graciously gifted us with a 10% discount on all of their products, infinitely. Um, So going forward into the future, if you ever purchase anything from Cayman and Company, which is Megan's Megan's soap care and and body care company, they're giving us 10% off. So you can use promo code Cayman10, which is C-A-Y-M-A-N 10, just the number, um, anytime you buy soaps from Cayman and Company. And I'll keep, I'll I'll add all of those links to her company on Instagram and Facebook, her website, and uh, you can check that out if you're interested. All right, here we go. Megan Tinkle. Welcome to Outside the Studio. I'm really excited to be here today. Um, I'm your host, Tessa Tovar, and I am welcoming to the stage with me, Megan. I'm very excited for Megan to share with us her wisdom, her path, her experience, what she's working on right now. Um, and I think I'd like us to start off, Megan, by just having you introduce yourself, give us a little bit of backstory And yeah, and we'll take it. Yes.
1: I just want to say thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Um, I just love the work that you're doing and just feel very honored to be here with you today. Um, My name is Megan Tinkle, and I'm the founder of Cayman and Company, which is a self care business. Um, My husband and I founded the business a year ago in 2020, and we make handmade soap soy candles, all the products are vegan, non-toxic. And I am also a 200-hour registered yoga teacher. And I graduated from my program in May of 2020. So if you are finding a theme here of kind of, I I feel like last year was kind of me finding my own path. Mm,
0: Yeah. What a good year for that. A good year of an appropriate year, a, a poignant year. <laughs> I don't know if good is exactly the right word, but it seems like such such an appropriate time when when the world really seems to slow down to then introspect and and have some self-study, have some self-care. And yeah, it sounds like that's what you did for the past year. And here you are kind of blossoming into your <laughs> butterfly. <laughs> Thank you.
1: It. Yeah. <laughs> And it it was, um, like you said, it was just some, it was nice to have that time to be able to get quiet and be more introspective because I don't feel like I really had that opportunity in the past. So Mm. it just allowed me to get, to get more quiet, to really dig into that soul calling.
0: Yeah. Which is so important. It's, I think that's, you know, at least for me, that's always been something since I can remember since I was a little girl wanting to know what that was, wanting to know what the purpose was. Why, why was I here? Why am I here? What is the purpose of this one wild and and precious life as one of my favorite poets says, Mary Oliver? My little kitty is being mischievous today. I, I see, see that, that. <laughs> your little tail in the background. <laughs> I can see <laughs> pushing around my, um, equipment. Sorry. Anyways, now you're fine. What I think I want to start diving into is the first thing you mentioned is the business that you created with your husband, this uh, self-care business, um, skin and fragrance, which I just love that the ethos is, um, harmless, right? Vegan, non-toxic because Oh gosh, I can't tell you how, how often I'm looking for that candle, that bar of soap, whatever it is to put on my skin that I know is going to be nourishing. And what happens with me, and I don't know if this is what you experienced before you went into this line of business was I'm really sensitive to, to smell and my skin's really sensitive to products. So if, if there's something in there that I'm not even aware Um, I'll get a headache from the scent or I'll get a rash from whatever it is. That's just my body can't process. Same, Right. So is this how that started? What's the brainchild here?
1: Well, growing up as a child, I had eczema. My sister had eczema. And so part of that is Having a skin reaction to fragrance and different chemicals. So as it's as a young child, I always had to be aware of what I was putting on my skin. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until later on in life that I kind of put that two and two together that, you know, truly our skin is our largest organ. Mm-hmm. And whatever we're putting on our skin, we're ultimately ingesting into our body. And I want to say it was. Yeah. 2013, 2014 timeframe when I was starting to really learn about products and whether they're toxic and non-toxic and what that means. And it just seemed like more and more people online were starting to talk about that. So throughout the course of self-education, then I noticed, wow, is this, is this the kind of stuff I really want to be putting on my skin? So I dug into the environmental working group, their website, EWC, where you can, they even have an app where you can take your smartphone and you can scan some of the different products in your house, like toothpaste, Mm. um, bar soap, skincare products. And if it's in their database, it'll, it'll rate the toxicity of the product. And when I saw a lot of these products that I had in my house that I was using had um, endocrine disruptors in them and um, things like that, then that's really kind of what set me on my path of wanting to find cleaner products. Mm. So my husband and I had been using handmade bar soap and other natural products for several years. But the trouble of it was, you know, we're here in Northeast Indiana and there's not a lot of accessibility to those products. So we had to order online. We had to drive to Indianapolis. I mean, we had to drive like two and a half hours somewhere else to go find this stuff. So like we were talking about earlier in 2020, that pause that so many of us experienced that gave us time to say, I don't know, let's look into this. Let's start experimenting with different recipes. And so we tested out a whole bunch of different prototypes, if you will, of soap and candles and gave them all to family and friends to try and landed on the specific formulas. And We were able to get, uh, you know, a line of supply chain vendors and we found a small family that makes these non-toxic fragrances that we put in the soap and we put in the soy candles. So it was a lot of fun. It just came very, everything seemed to be as easy as it could be. So it just, it seemed like higher power was saying this just keep going, you're, you're going, going on the right track. So in early 2020, that's when we started experimenting with all of these different prototypes. And then we landed on the ones that we wanted to roll out in the fall, late fall, early Christmas time. And that's when we launched our business was in October, or November of 2020.
0: Wow. That's so exciting. Congratulations. I know what a labor of love it is to have an idea to bring it to fruition, and then to eventually roll it out to the world, and you know, so it's that's a big feat, and congrats on that, and thank, thank you, you for sharing it with everyone. I I personally can't wait to try it. um I love your Instagram post, and um, oh, everything sounds so yummy. So, do you have a favorite? Do you have like a favorite fragrance? A favorite? <sighs> I do.
1: I, so we just released our spring summer scents. Um, one of my favorites of the spring summer scent is one called garden by the sea. And if you're a floral lover, that is a bar you have to try. Mm -hmm. Um, some of our more popular ones that we have a hard time keeping in stock, but we're fully in stock now of, um, we have one called happy hippie, which everyone loves the name of that. (laughs) Yes. It's, it's a really warm patchouli smell and we put some fresh ground nutmeg in there. So it serves as a very light exfoliant. Plus you get that warmness from the nutmeg and it just plays really well with the patchouli. We also have a wild lavender soap bar that has lavender essential oil in it. And then another personal favorite of mine is bubble bath. Mm. Um, Soy candles, pink carnation, my hands down, my favorite soy candle we have. So we have a range of scents for every palette.
0: Oh, I love that you're using patchouli. I find that it's such a underappreciated scent. (laughs) And it's really quite nice. And it does play well with a lot of the other warmer. Um, the warmer scents or essential oils. I played. I've played a lot with making my own little essential oil blends for my yoga classes mm-hmm. when we were doing things in person, and people are always surprised that they really enjoyed patchouli. <laughs> you know. They
1: you know, and it's in that. it's funny you say that because growing up as a kid, I always remember my dad would say, "Oh, patchouli," oh, you know, and we'd kind of like turn up his nose at it. But yeah, you really it's. <laughs> it's a beautiful scent. It's just amazing. And I think that's another fun part of all of this too, is, you know, when we bring in new fragrances and we're smelling and we do incorporate essential oils into the soaps, not so much with the candles, it's really hard to, with the level of heat that you have to bring the wax up to a lot of times they'll burn off, but um, with the soaps and things, it's, so fun to be able to smell the scent and then think, okay, what color should we use? You know, are we going to swirl the colors together? Are we going to like create a layered effect? So it just allows us to get really creative, to have fun. And now that we're going to local farmer's markets and we can sell safely in person. Now it's just a lot of fun to see others enjoy it as much as we do.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I love that creative process. It's so fun. Um, You have quite a diverse background. I was just reviewing your bio and um, understand that you've had a career as a newspaper reporter for some years and have interviewed some really prominent figures in, um, in this country. Would you mind talking to me a little bit about that experience? Is this work that you still do or in tandem? I don't. um, I kind of
1: moved out of, um, news reporting and into marketing PR, which is very common. Mm-hmm. Anyone who knows someone who worked in local television or with a local newspaper, it's very common to transition from working you know, in the public eye to kind of working more um, for either nonprofits or private companies. So I work for a nonprofit right now doing marketing and I enjoy that. It's, it was exciting when I was younger because you know not being married and not having a family um you know my shifts were all over the place I would go in at 9 30 in the morning one day and then the next day you know I might be working until midnight so schedule was all over the place when I first started I used to joke around and say that I had a hairdresser schedule so I was like Tuesday to Saturday which was great because I had every Monday off so um I worked in broadcasting for five years. I worked in Terre Haute, Indiana for a year right after I graduated from college and then worked for, um, uh, news channel 15 in Fort Wayne, Indiana for four years. And then decided to, um, get into PR and marketing and things like that. And yeah, it's just, I've just allowed, you know, It's so funny when you're in college because you think, okay, I'm going to, you know, here's my five-year plan and here's my 10-year plan. And you, you create all of these benchmarks for yourself, but really when you let go and you follow the path, that's just, you know, higher power directs you. And it's just amazing how things take you in different
0: directions. Yeah. Well, and then recently you said, you were introduced to yoga? Actually, now you have your 200 hour teacher training certificate. How, how did that segue happen? So, um,
1: really, I think when I first got interested in yoga was when I was in college, uh, there's, you know, i lost my grandmother to substance use disorder in 2003 when I was in high school and never really knew how to process that grief. And had some other trauma. My mom and dad divorced. Um, there was some... <laughs> I think I lost you. I'm sorry. I can start over. No, you're fine. Keep going. <laughs> had some emotional trauma from the divorce of my mom and dad. And just felt like I needed I needed some... I, be honest, I I don't know what it was. I I can't recall if it was a friend that said, Hey, you should go to this yoga class or what it was. But immediately there was something about yoga that just, that drew me in. I just felt like I needed to connect with self and I wasn't quite sure how to do that. So I was really grateful to have some fantastic yoga teachers that um, led me down that path. and. I'd, I'd stayed with my own personal practice and it was amazing to me because I did not fully understand the full realm of yoga until I started doing my 200 hour training. Mm. I'd never heard about the eight limbs of yoga. Basically my only connection that I had to yoga was through asana or the poses. Mm -hmm. So I I love digging into yoga philosophy and, um, learning about the yamas and niyamas. And it's just, I'm so glad that I signed up for that 200 hour teacher training.
0: Yeah. It changed everything. It does. Doesn't it? It's such a, I had a very similar experience where I felt I didn't, I don't think I was aware of it at first, but, um, when I found yoga, I felt like, oh, this is what it's, this is what it's supposed to feel like to be in your body present, because I have this, or I had this habit of just feeling like a floating head and feeling like um, my body wasn't a safe place. And so when I started to practice yoga, there was so much right off the bat emotion that would come up in my asana practice. And um, it was almost like, where the heck is this coming from? Why am I laughing uncontrollably? or you know it almost felt like inappropriate like i would just have this outburst of laughter and or tears like maybe i'd be in a puddle of tears at the end of class and um so similar to you right away i knew okay there's definitely something more to this and for several years i had my own practice and um and then it sounds like we have a very similar pathway then eventually I went to teacher training and uh haven't stopped doing teacher training since five years ago (laughs) because it's such a nice cocoon, right? Like it is, it's um, talk about being in community and, and having like this little, I always feel like I'm in this nest and once teacher training is done and being kicked out of my nest and my mom is asking me to go fly away and spread my wings and I get it, but it's almost like, Oh gosh, I don't know if I want to leave this little Bird nest. You know, I know. <laughs> especially
1: too. It's and I feel like from our conversation, I feel like you're a lot like myself. It's, you know, we're we're always going to be students of life. So yeah. I'm just telling you, as soon as I dug into that yoga philosophy, I was just like, I'm home. This is this is my place. It's I, I I'm just so grateful and grateful that I was able to do it online. Cause that's another thing with the 2020 it's when I signed up, everything went online, but it's just,
0: hey, yeah. How was that experience for you? I've, I've done most of my trainings in person. I've done one teacher training online. Um, and so I have something to compare it to, but I'm curious from your st- standpoint, doing the one online, what was that like for you? Did you, and it seems like you enjoyed it, but like
1: yeah, I To be honest, I liked it, but I do feel like I missed out on that in-person, one-on-one, small group. It felt like a lot of individual learning, which is fine because I feel like that's, you know, when I was in college, I did some online classes. So I kind of had that base to build off of, but definitely missed being in-person, getting to see everyone and just having that. That feeling that you have, like when you're in class in person, yeah, that's the best way I would explain it to someone else who's watching or listening and they're wanting to know, okay, should I do an online class? Or I would compare it to it's when you're taking a yoga class in person and you, you just have that, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just this feeling that you have when you're there versus taking a class online when you're at home. So it's different, but it was still a really good experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, I know what you mean. There's a certain energy. There's an energy in being in a yoga class, even in a room full of strangers and having just an asana practice. And it's, there's something very different about being at home with a screen or just listening via audio and doing your practice in, in your own space for sure.
1: And we had, we have webinars on zoom. We were able to talk through philosophy. We were able to
0: practice teaching and
1: things like that, but it's just different. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm excited for you to get into, I imagine. So over here in, um, the West coast studios are starting to open up and small classes are being offered. And I imagine something similar is happening where you are. Are you Same. Uh, teaching in person soon? I, you know, I would
1: like to, um, I'm kind of wanting to hold off for a little bit to kind of see how all of this shakes out with mm-hmm. the virus and things like that. But talking with different studio owners around the area, a, a lot of them are still doing hybrid of some small in-person but also simultaneously streaming or having on-demand classes too. So I think at first I'll focus more online. I want to create um, a YouTube channel that has free classes because there's something about the accessibility of it and making sure that there are classes accessible to people who maybe aren't in a position to pay for a class or go to a studio, or if they have young kids at home, or maybe they're immunocompromised and they, they want to practice just having those teachers that they can turn to online to safely guide them through whether it's restorative or vinyasa or a chair class, Mm -hmm. Um, wherever they're at on their journey
0: yeah well what do you see yourself teaching online what's your um it seems like you know when we when we first graduate from a teacher training it's like oh I want to try everything because you're not quite sure at least in my experience what um, my teaching voice is or my teaching style is you kind of have to try them have you experimented with that at all do you know what you are drawn to in terms of teaching
1: Definitely. So, part of my 200 hour class is I was able to also get certified in chair, restorative, and yin yoga. And I definitely, there's something about restorative and yin yoga that just really calls to me. Um, We also, uh, you know, talked through the sister science of yoga, Ayurveda. And I am, I am like, classic Vata. So restorative, yin, slow to balance out that Vata energy. Like I am Vata to a (laughs) T and anyone not familiar, like Google the doshas and, um, you know, Vata like we're, we're busy people. We're jumping around from one thing to the next. And if you're familiar with it and you're kind of hearing me talk through, okay, well, I did like teacher training and then we started this business and then that's a very Vata energy. So you're jumping from one thing to the next and just kind of always going. So to balance out that energy, you really have to allow yourself to slow down and um, just not run yourself You know, crazy all the time.
0: Yeah, and just a quick side note about the sister science of Ayurveda um, uh, is—it's such a cool. I was going to say a cool practice, but more than a—it's not really a practice. But the science of life is what it translates to in English, and this basically India's healthcare system. It's a very ancient, as old as yoga, as, as old as yoga itself, and. The basic is, so Megan mentioned Vata, which is one of the doshas. And the idea is that we are all this elixir of three main doshas. So we're not just one, but we all have this um, percentage, if you will, of three main doshas that we are born with. And then for some of us over time with life experience, that dosha can get um, out of balance with our true nature. And so the practice or, yeah, the, the, the practical application of Ayurveda is to balance your dosha back to your original birth dosha. So, um, the three doshas are Vata, Pitta, Kapha, and those, so Vata is that very frenetic, high energy, creative personality type. Pitta is like the leader, the action oriented strong can be kind of aggressive. Mm-hmm. I'm very Pitta. <laughs> <laughs> I always get, uh, yeah, I've always been very Pitta. And then the Kapha is like the, the motherly, nurturing, um, soothing um, type personality. And they're not just personalities, but they do manifest in our lives as personality types. So you don't have to be just one. We're all this elixir of all three, and um, yeah, checking out a dosha quiz is just a really fun thing to do. There's tons of free dosha quizzes online to see what your specific special sauce is. I always recommend taking that. I don't know if you did this, Megan, but I always recommend taking the quiz twice from the perspective of who you are, who you were as a child. Like, what what do you remember your natural inclinations being? And from the per- perspective of where you are in your life right now today and see what those differences are, because oftentimes they're a little bit different and that will tell you maybe where your imbalances are and how to give you some suggestions to come back to your, your natural state of being. Ah, I, really- I love that idea. Yeah. Have you tried that? It's really interesting. I've not done it from the perspective of,
1: how I was when I was a child, but I want to do that. As you were talking through that, I was thinking, and I, I want to say as a child, I was more Pitta. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. See, it changes over, over time, you know, our life experience, what career paths we choose, who we surround ourselves with, you know, all those things that we experience trauma in your life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. So it's really interesting to do it. I kind of check in with myself every once in a while. Maybe it's like quarterly. If something feels off, I'm like, what is going on? I can't put my finger on it. I'll take a little dosha quiz. And I'm like, Oh, (laughs) 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 okay. Now I know what to do. (laughs) So yeah, it's just a fun little, a fun little tool to keep in your toolbox. Um, so you mentioned, you mentioned, um, you mentioned childhood trauma. You mentioned losing your, your grandma, right. To substance abuse. Mm -hmm. And, and that sort of informed your path towards yoga. Um, yeah. So I wonder if you could expound upon that a little bit, like how did that shape you? How did that lead you down this path? So,
1: you know, it was really difficult because I, Growing up, you know, I remember being in grade school. And if if you're watching this, you're around my same age. I'm sure you're familiar with, you know, in Indiana, we had the DARE program where the police officers would come into your school and they would say, don't do drugs, don't, you know, smoke, da 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 da. And they, you know, do that and the other. So um, I knew that my grandma struggled with prescription medication. She had lost my grandfather. Um, he died from a medical condition and I knew she was struggling. I mean, even as a second grader with that mentality, as a child, I knew that she had struggled. I wasn't quite, I didn't quite understand what was going on, but I just remember there was one day after school that, my mom picked me up, we had to rush over to my grandma's house, something was wrong with her, my dear officer was there, you know, they took her to the emergency room. um, And she was sick, there was something wrong with her. And so that's really, when things came to light, you know, my parents could no longer hide from me what was going on that to essentially, you know, she was in pain, and she was struggling. And it was just, at that time, I mean, gosh, that was mid nineties. People really didn't talk about addiction and substance use disorder, not, not as much as they do now. And there's still, you know, before we started recording this, you know, I was talking about how there still, unfortunately is this stigma around substance use disorder. And I, I don't want to say addiction because it really, it's a disease. We would never stigmatize someone who has diabetes or cancer and, you know, blame the disease on them. So, Mm -hmm. um, anyone who's watching or listening to this and you have a loved one who, um, passed from substance use disorder or is currently going through their, um, journey with that, um, just know that you're not alone. You're not alone. Um, and you're always welcome to reach out to me. Um, I'm here for you. it's it's difficult. Um, and it was difficult to watch her struggle. And ultimately, unfortunately, it's it's what the disease took her life. and not really knowing how to process that emotion because it's a lot for someone who's I was fifteen years old and was still processing all of that trauma that i that I saw and heard about and the emotion and seeing how it affected was my dad's mom seeing how it affected him and it affected my mom and me and my younger sister and my aunts and uncles and cousins. And it is a family disease. Um so we talked about it as a family, but to a certain point too, you also have to be able to turn inward and and process that with with yourself. So I truly feel like from that first yoga class, there, there was something about it. And, you know, like we were saying how you, you can be taking a class and you're laughing or another time you're taking a class and you, you know, you're in a puddle of tears. And I just, it allowed me to, to truly, cause I'm not going to lie. I was upset with her. Um, and I, I think that sometimes I found myself in that victim mentality and the practice and my practice really helped keep me in check and not allow my mind to keep going down that, that path. Mm -hmm. So it was really a good way for me to continue to check in with myself to process that trauma and that grief. And, you know, ultimately now I'm, I'm grateful that I'm where I'm at with the trauma to where I'm at peace and I feel like she's at peace and I understand her better than I did when she was here Mm. in human form.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So this, this, and I often think about this. I, um, I wonder when you have someone that's so close to you in your life, like that, a family member, and you're watching them struggle and go through this thing that eventually takes their life. Do you, do you keep them close? How do you keep them close? How do you have a relationship with them? And I'm thinking about it from like the standpoint of when it's pretty severe and this person may or may not be functional, this person may or may not feel safe. um, What does the relationship turn into and how do you, do you have a relationship with that person?
1: it's difficult. And I know speaking from the only experience I have is with my grandma and I feel like, um, she was, she was getting, um, help for depression and I'm grateful that she had that, um, therapist that she was working with. And the therapist was able to really connect with us and Mm. help get us the resources so that we could, support ourselves and help support her. Um, you know, she was to the point where, you know, we would fill her prescriptions and I don't know that this is the right thing to do now, but I guess my advice would be, um, lean on those, the, the support network around the person. Um, but also to don't, don't forget to take care of yourself too. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's also, it's important for you to take care of yourself. And, um, within the past couple of years, you know, I started attending different programs for people who, um, have someone in their life who has, you know, like with the Al-Anon program and things like that. So if you find yourself in a situation like that, where you have a loved one who is struggling, um, lean in, support them, um, in positive ways, but I would definitely encourage them to also explore Al-Anon. And there's, um, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous and support groups for the family. Because like I said earlier, it's a family disease, Mm -hmm. just like when someone's diagnosed with cancer or diabetes or something like that, it impacts the entire family and substance use disorder is no different. Mm Yeah. Yeah. So really lean on those experts, lean on those experts. Um, do not let the disease define the person and don't let it define your family. So it's the same thing with cancer, you know, and I keep bringing that up, but it's just in our culture today. Those are the, it's interesting how certain diseases are stigmatized and, and others aren't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really it's a really good thing to bring to awareness because I don't know that I've even thought of it like that. I mean, yeah, it's very stigmatized still. It's kind of like, well, what's wrong with this person? Why can't they just get it together? You know, how selfish. So it's important to acknowledge that. There are some things that are out of our control. And and if you are suffering as a result of being in relationship with this person, you can bet that person is suffering even worse. Like how yeah. bad does it have to be to not be able to be present in your body in your life, to have to check out to numb? That's that's a sign of suffering, right? Yeah. There. Um, and it's just it's really sad. It's uh it's yeah. I agree with you. Um, And you mentioned throughout this time period of watching your grandma suffer, having a practice, having a daily practice, something that helped you um, have this connection with yourself. Mm -hmm. What's that practice like?
1: A lot of it. I mean, early on when I first, when I first was introduced to yoga, it was through the physical practice of class and things like that wasn't really until, and the only reason why I know this date is because, um, at that point in time, my mom, um, my mom and dad's divorce was final and she had moved in with me to kind of get back on her feet. And, um, I remember that she started reading the secret and she had given me that book. And so I, that's when I was introduced to the law of attraction and, I started digging more into that, and then was introduced to Eckhart Tolle's work, and so really, I, I, it was just—it was. There's not anything I would do differently. It was the the physical practice that allowed me, I feel, to to work through a lot of that energy that was in the body, but emotionally and mentally, the energy that was trapped up here it was really helpful to be able to tune into self and and to learn that you know ultimately i'm i'm the producer of my own movie so uh, you know perception is reality and one person could be viewing a certain situation as a negative thing where someone else could be looking at something negative and asking what is this teaching me mm-hmm. what's the lesson
0: mm-hmm.
1: Instead of, and that helped me get out of that victim mentality. So instead of asking, well, why did my grandma have to die? Like, I'm a good person. Why did this have to happen to me? It's, what am I learning from this? And like you said, it's imagine, think through what it's doing to the family, but also think through what that disease is doing to the person that's suffering. So it let me understand what she was going through on a more deeper level than I probably could have been able to process otherwise. And to really tap in and appreciate life more Mm -hmm. and not take a day for granted and not take where I'm at today, you know, and, and not be appreciative. Mm -hmm. So it was, I hope that answered your question. Oh, yeah. I I feel like I'm all over the place.
0: No, no, no. that's, I think it's, that's why I ask about practice a lot because we say it and, and I think we often jump to, well, what does that mean in a practical or a tangible sense? Like, oh, on a day to day basis, this is what my practice looks like. And then when we think we have this ideal idea of what it's supposed to look like, we get really harsh with ourselves when we don't achieve that. So Mm -hmm. I think it's important to, remember that it can be fluid and that every day we are doing our best and every day our, our best looks different. And the practice might just be like simply taking a moment to pause and check in with yourself and say, Oh, wow. I've, you know, gone down this path mentally and I haven't checked in physically. Like, so I'm just going to take a moment to breathe Yep, and see what does my breath feel like right now? Is it in my chest? Can I breathe into my belly? Um, And just notice even like me right now, I'm like, Oh, I should breathe into my belly. (laughs) You know, it's a helpful, when I think of practice, I think we kind of, we don't have to have it be this huge, big thing and check X, Y, and Z box for it to be a helpful idea to return to daily, just like, you know, having a simple thing that you kind of check in with a gratitude what am I grateful for right now you don't mm-hmm. have to sit down and write that although I think it's a very cathartic process but you could just take a moment while you're driving somewhere to the grocery store or making your lunch to check in mentally with yourself and say what am I grateful for right now what is good right now so that's why I ask about practice
1: oh absolutely and that was really when I started learning more about the law of attraction and things like that I was more aware of my thoughts mm-hmm. yeah. and until that point it it's amazing you know you don't really and I'm sure for other people who maybe had a similar epiphany at one point in time or another is you start to tune more in and you start You start being more aware of, wow, I'm really negative today. Mm -hmm. What is going on?
0: Yeah.
1: Or you're just like you said, I think you said it perfectly, Tessa, that you make it a practice to check in with yourself and say, what do I need today?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And every day is going to be different. Mm -hmm. And so I I guess to kind of talk through, um, I really like waking up in the morning and just, um, like with the 75 days of wellness that, um, you and Rosie, um, have been talking through, um, on radically loved radio. So I started doing that and have made it a practice every morning to, you know, on the coffee table, I've got my book of awakening by Mark Nepo. And so I just go to that, that date in the book and read the passage and kind of read through. Um, either his writing or the poetry that's there for the day. And it's just amazing how fitting that is. So I'll do that and I'll get really quiet. And I'll usually do this after my husband, Jeremy, goes to work where it's just, I'm working from home and I'm by myself and I've got that hour before I need to go to work. Mm -hmm. And I'll just get quiet, you know, tune into my breath, close my eyes and ask myself, what do I need today? How am I feeling today? Mm -hmm. What am I grateful for today? What kind of person do I want to be today? Mm -hmm. And just really settling into that. So, um, it doesn't take a long time. And I like to do that first. really like practicing as far as like doing yoga later in the day. Like I'm a late afternoon person and that's working from home is just been awesome to give myself that flexibility where I can feel more comfortable. Whereas before it's like, if you don't have a designated place in your physical office that you go to sometimes you're like, okay, well, where can I roll out like a yoga mat? If you don't have a gym, you know, so you've got people staring at you like, what is she doing? So, and then you don't have the right clothes and you have to change. So anyways, it's just been nice to be able to be home and to kind of get into a rhythm and flow. And, um, also to moving my body. I love walking and, you know, I walk 30 to 45 minutes every day, I love to be outside. We live out in the country. So there's a lot of, we have a lot of pine trees and just larger, more mature trees out where we're we're at and fields and, you know, animals and things like that. So it's nice to have that quiet to really check in with yourself. It's, it's, it's not something that you do regularly. Um, I th- I think when you start, you'll you'll feel the difference. Mm-hmm. And if you don't hear immediately what you think that you need to hear, just give yourself time. And mm.
0: yeah, that's one of the biggest things I think when I started to do this work is being able to tap into intuition and to listen to what I need because for so long I was very practiced at um, external external feedback. Mm-hmm. And that makes the voice inside that it's already quiet and subtle, almost impossible to hear at first. So absolutely, Megan, that's such good advice to just be patient. Um, this is, I think of it more as a marathon, you know, so it's yeah. like, a it's an endurance practice. It's, um, a commitment practice and, um, and some days it's harder than others. Some days it's naturally. And some days it's depending on how much sleep I've had or how stressed out I am, it'll change my experience. So I think that's really important to bring that up. Thanks. Yeah. I do want to be mindful of time, but I have a question, a final question. Um, I usually ask, what like some words of wisdom you live by what your motto is but i i think i'd like to because you you've expressed so passionately your love of yoga philosophy i'd like mm-hmm. to hear um maybe what's stuck out for you the most if if it's a text if it's a sutra if it's um an idea from yoga philosophy what is what are you feeling really obsessed or passionate about right now
1: um i think for me it was Um, I think the, the big wake up call for me is, you know, like when I, when I told my mom and I told my sister and my husband and people that I was going to take this 200 hour yoga teacher training online, they were like, Well, you don't like, I I think a lot of times people get this idea in their head that yoga is, you know, doing the the handstand or the crazy backbend inversion. And that is, I mean, yes, that is a yoga pose, but that truly is not yoga. So, I mean, I, I feel like my mission, um, in becoming a teacher is, is helping flip that perception that is so frequently just perpetuated in social media and media about yoga being the pretty, you know, Instagram picture where it's, you know, and also to kind of breaking down those myths that, I mean, yoga is for everyone. So making it more accessible to people who um, maybe sustain physical trauma to where maybe they're in a chair and they're doing yoga that way or the physical practice or people who, you know, uh, more body positive yoga too. So I think that's just there's there's so much misperception around what what the physical practice actually is, and how much more um, the practice can serve you when you when you dig into the different areas of it. So I feel like that's more or less. Um, I think that's that's why I was called here to do that. Mm. I don't know. If, I don't know if you've experienced that with with other people, where when you when you talk about yoga, they they say, "Oh, well, I can't do that." You know, I'm not flexible. I can't even touch my toes, or you know, there's an excuse why they can't, and it's why they can't do the physical practice of it.
0: Yeah. Oh, I hear that all the time. My, uh, I think the two. The two most common responses are, "I can't touch my toes," or um, the one about, "I can't meditate because I can't sit still or I can't make my mind stop spinning." Um, and yeah, those are the two. I hear it all the time, and I I'm right there with you. Sometimes I can't touch my toes, and sometimes my mind won't stop spinning, and sometimes I can't sit still for more than a minute. I mean, that feels yep. Like torture. <laughs> yep. Um, so.
1: And I know that that's not really a philosophy, but also too, I mean, there is, you know, part of the perception and how you view things and how you view the world. And I think just now more than ever, um, people, people need an outlet. People need, you know, people are wanting to, I mean, how many times did you hear last year in 2020, people saying, why am I here? I don't feel like this job is serving me or they're they're saying things like that. And really, um, truly, I don't feel like someone can look at you and say, oh, well, this is why you're here. You have to be able to be comfortable enough with yourself to get quiet, to turn inward and to ask yourself that question. And if you don't have a space or you haven't been able to build a practice to even begin asking that question, will you ever find that answer? So I think more than anything, it's just me wanting, and I feel like the area that I'm in, a lot of people have that mentality Mm -hmm. that I can't do yoga because I can't touch my toes or my head's constantly, you know, it's not active enough, that kind of a thing. So, um, I feel like I'm here to help dispel that and get people interested and then they can learn of all the benefits that come outside of the physical practice.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, Megan, for showing up, for sharing your experience and your wisdom and your grace. It, it really, it's nice. It's nice to connect with you in this way. And I appreciate you being here on the show. Um, any last- Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, I guess what's
1: coming up for me right now is I just shared this on Instagram and I don't know why it was just bringing true for me this past weekend, but, you know, talking about the misperceptions and things like that. Um, don't compare yourself, honor yourself where you're at in your own journey. And um, you're here for a reason and you have a purpose and if you're not one of those people where you haven't tapped in and you haven't been able to get quiet, don't get discouraged. You will get there. Just honor where you're at and, and just enjoy, enjoy the journey.
0: Such sage advice. All right, folks, you heard it from Megan. That's, (laughs) I mean, I, I can't think of a better way to, to let everyone go. So with that, enjoy the rest of your day your morning your evening whenever you're listening and uh, please do reach out if you have any follow-up questions suggestions feedback and to get in touch with megan i hope you enjoyed the conversation today if you have any feedback comments questions or even requests for future podcast topics please feel free to reach out to me on social media handles Facebook at Tessa Marie Tovar, Instagram Yogi underscore Katniss, um, email address tessa.tovar, Tovar, that's T-O-V as in Victor, A-R, at iCloud.com. I love to hear from my students and I'm always happy to talk about this kind of thing for you. If you don't listen, I don't do this. And... My goal is to spread the word about what yoga means on and off the mat, in particular, spreading the word outside of the studio. Thanks for tuning in and have a lovely day. Bye.